Parenting teens is hard. Parenting teens in crisis is even harder, and we live in a culture that is really good at hiding. You know, we keep these struggles tucked in real tight around us, and so when something happens in our families that's tough and maybe even a little embarrassing, we feel like we're all alone. I promise you that you're not alone. But you definitely need a place where you can be a part of honest conversations that give a voice to the challenges you're facing. A place that normalizes the hard that we have to walk through with our teenagers. So I'm inviting you to join us on this path towards healing, where we'll discuss topics that drive out shame and teach us how to navigate the emotions and uncertainty that come with parenting a teenager facing the juvenile court system. This twice-monthly podcast is presented by Pathways to Hope Network, and we strive to do all of that while honoring the unyielding love a mother has for her child. Hi, friend. Today we are continuing the conversation in our series on what I like to call self-compassion 101. I call it that because when you are a parent with a teenager in crisis, it's very easy to lose sight of yourself. You know, your time and your attention are always wrapped up in what is happening with your child, which leaves little to no time at all to even stop and consider what you actually need in this season. It's hard when you come to the realization that despite all the time and attention you spend on trying to fix things in your child's life, you aren't actually able to make a substantial difference. The truth is that while you have the ability to influence them by setting limits and listening to them by providing guidance and encouragement, I have never seen changes in a child until they decided it was time to change. Viktor Frankl said, when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. In this season, you will reach a point when you finally come to a place of acceptance over the amount of control you actually have over your child on this journey. And in my experience, that is when the healing begins. You may not be there yet, but I'm asking you just to listen anyway. Each episode in this series, I'm hoping, will plant just tiny seeds along the way so that when you're ready, you won't be starting from scratch. As you know, I recently took a poll on the top five ways that parents with children in crisis practice self-care. That is when they finally get to the place where they recognize the importance of self-care. And coming in at number four was journaling, prayer, and meditation. Most people who were polled said that journaling, prayer, and or meditation gave them a sense of doing something in situations that felt outside their control. Now, joining us in our conversation today is my good friend and brother from another mother, Leif Holmes. Leif is a pastor and has been with his wife, Laura, for over 30 years. 
Together, they've raised three kids, and he will be sharing with us his thoughts on the practice of journaling and all the benefits he's discovered that have come with it. Hey, Leaf, thank you so much for being here. I am so glad to have you on the show. Let's just go ahead and get started. So many of the moms that I work with get so wrapped up in what's going on with their child that like they lose themselves entirely which is normal in parenting right like Mm -hmm. that happens yeah i guess the downside of it is that everything that's going on with their child right now they don't have any control over and so all of their energy and all of that time that's spent there is is kind of wasted so our kids need us to check in with them. They need accountability from us. They need um, to be guided and led. But us constantly worrying and stressing and trying to problem solve and you know everything that we do that's completely exhaustive, that yeah. we lose ourselves, it doesn't do anything other than it starts to break us down and it starts to affect our relationship with our child. So the reason that I asked you to come on today was because I wanted to talk about journaling and prayer as another way that you can practice self-compassion. So I did a, I took a poll on a couple of different Facebook groups and I asked when you got to the point where you were finally able to let go of the responsibility to fix your child and you began pouring back into yourself what are some of the ways that you did that i listed a couple of different options and then people had an an option to add things so the number one way was exercise and physical movement Mm -hmm. the second was spending time with friends Mm -hmm. the third was counseling therapy groups or 12-step programs oh it's actually the way that i'm kind of the way that I've been doing these. The fourth was prayer, meditation, and journaling. Okay. And then the fifth was um, massage. So they would treat themselves to some type of- Oh, something personal care type of Yeah, yeah. So when I started thinking about prayer, meditation, Mm -hmm. and journaling, I thought of you because we've had lots of conversations about prayer about journaling. I know that that's a really big part of your life. Yep. And so that's why I chose you. Okay. What the listeners don't know is that when you walked in here, (laughs) you brought with you a prop. I did. I brought one of my binders. Binders. Okay. One of my notebook binders, a thick, large one. Yes. So because people don't have the the, the yes, visual image. No visual. Yes. Um, this is not a. Uh, in fact, I think this might be the biggest binder I've ever seen in my life. This is a three-inch three binder mm-hmm. that is three years worth of journaling. Right. Yes. Typed uh, out. Yep. Typed at a computer. Spaced. Single spaced. Typed out. Um, not daily, but probably on average four to five times a day. Yeah. Um, and I go through seasons. Four to five times a week? I'm, I'm sorry, a week. Okay. Yeah, four to, yeah, I was like, not a day. holy cow, no, you're no, no, next yeah. level. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wouldn't have a life right, if, I, if I did. for our listeners, four, yes. please. <laughs> four to five times a week. A week. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and then seasons. <clears throat> yeah. I'm, I'm not like, uh, 
religious or legalistic about it. I mm-hmm. mean, I know some people that journal are like, if you don't have anything to say, just, you know, get into the habit. So just write down, you know, five minutes even. Yeah. I don't do that yeah. as much. It's more, again, just an organic uh, thing. But I do find that uh, it's just one of my ways that I've found are very therapeutic, like like we said, yeah. for me. So I've done it for, well, since I was a teenager. I don't really know yeah. how the habit started other than I like to write. Yeah. And I think it's just kind of a offshoot of just enjoying writing. There's a lot of cool things that, that journals provide. One of the things is like, uh, I sometimes use it as part of my morning devotional routine mm. because a lot of my journal is my spiritual walk or journey with the Lord over yeah. the years. Yeah. And so as I read through things, uh, it's very enlightening. Some of the things that I've written, I have totally even forgot struggles, prayers. Yeah. And I look back and I'm like, Oh my word, the Lord answered that. And I don't even remember that I had prayed it. Yeah. And I'm sure at the time, like in order for it to even go in your journal, it had to be something of significance. Right. And so that's a good reminder too, even to us present day that these things Mm -hmm. that feel so heavy and so big right now, yes, when we look back on them later, we may not even remember the depth of what we were really struggling with at Mm -hmm. that time. For sure. But that things have a way of just working themselves out there. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's a great place to vent. Yeah, I I read this one time about I'm a history buff too, mm-hmm. and I read this about Abraham Lincoln, that he would you know when he was upset with somebody or something he'd write a letter to that person, mm-hmm. and then he would put it in his desk, and he'd wait you know two or three days before he actually sent it, uh-huh. and usually after two or three days he tore it up. Yeah, but he needed to get out the. The emotions, yeah. the feelings, the you know frustration. So he would write that letter to that person. But then once he was able to do that, a couple of days. So for me, I have found that the journal is also a safe place yeah. to uh, vent. I'm usually venting, you know, to the Lord, mm-hmm. and so you can be very raw with him because he already knows anyway. Yeah. Not like a, he's going to be like, "Oh, I didn't realize you felt that way." Right. So uh, sometimes I will go back and delete a paragraph you know because it's probably not not something you'd want to have recorded for history's sake that's the beauty of typing it (laughs) yes okay yes you you can go back and delete i don't do that often but you know there's a there's a few times when you know you just you're just probably not (laughs) in the best frame of mind as you're writing these things down judgment's a little clouded because another thing i for my journal that i'm i don't know if this is probably a more of a pipe dream than the reality but i would think that would be a really cool legacy for my kids yeah these are things that the lord has done in my life for 30 plus years and so for me it's kind of a a testimony to my kids if they are interested in just kind of getting to peek behind the curtain there of what was going on with dad a lot of the times it is a a really encouraging thing and the other thing is it's a really encouraging thing because it's a place to to see god's faithfulness yeah over the years yeah and uh so yeah all those things are are very life-giving they're very life-giving to me they're very therapeutic i know as i'm writing stuff down and journaling about it there's definitely a side of it that is venting, yeah. but but more than anything, it's processing and right. trying to figure out and be better and do better. And I think it shows 
that you're trying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's great. Um, for me too, it, it helps clarify my thinking, you know, when you have to write about something, I can think about it in my head, but if I start writing about a situation, you know, there's, there's a lot more once you start having to write or type something out. And then it, it helps me to process it, like you said, at a deeper level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll have uh, a lot of, I don't know if you say epiphanies or revelations while I'm journaling about something that most likely I wouldn't have had if I would just, you know, sat there and kind of been thinking or whatever. So journaling is a great way for us to clarify what's going on. Oftentimes it's a window into my own motives, yeah. my own heart. I don't realize you know, what's going on in there until I start writing it down. Yeah. And like, why does that make me angry or why does it make me sad? Or, you know, what is that, what's that about that that make, gives me anxiety? Yeah. And as I start to write that down, I start to understand maybe a little bit more about what's going on inside my heart. Yeah. It's a wonderful tool uh, for that as well. Yeah. As a pastor, mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about the experience that you have working with people in crisis or dealing with grief? Uh, mo- most people don't necessarily come to a pastor to say, hey. Things are great. Things are great. Kind of like when you go to the hospital, <laughs> yeah. you know, you don't normally go in, you know, to tell them, hey, we're doing great. You're, right. Obviously, there's an issue, which is fine. You know, that's what I'm here to do is to, to help and serve and encourage folks. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of the times, um, whether it's, marriage crisis, raising kids, you know, finances, relationship issues, all that stuff. And I pastored uh, for 18 years. I pastored other places for for a little bit too, but I, I most of my time was 18 years at a church in Rochester, small church of about 100 people. Mm-hmm. And there was no other people to yeah. help. So yeah. when you're at a small church like that, you do get to uh, be able to be there for people going through everything that is the human condition yeah the lord gave me a a picture i'm not someone who's given to you know i've only probably in one hand i can count how many times i would say that you know i know that i had a a spiritual like experience Mm -hmm. with the lord Um, but one of those was uh i was at a church conference i'd gotten back to my hotel room and i was laying in there in bed i'd been on my knees praying in my room and i got into bed and I wasn't asleep, but I saw a picture, and it was a marathon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you see the runners going by. Well, you're a runner, so you can relate to this better than I'm me. definitely not running marathons, <laughs> you, but okay. But, but nonetheless, okay. you, you yeah. understand. So people are running by, and I've never done it, so you can tell me how much of this is right. But, uh, you know, people are clapping as they yeah. go by, and they have the water station, yeah. and, you know, just people, you can do it. So he said to me, where are you in this and again, I immediately knew what he was asking you know, mm-hmm. in my role as a pastor, and just and I said, well, you know, I'm uh, I'm at the front of the race, you know, leading the way, people, you know. And he said, no, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> God's so good; he's so good to us. Yeah. So I said, ah, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that that makes a lot of sense. I'm gasping for air yes. at, the, at the back. Yes. Well, he pointed to the people clapping yeah and with the water yeah and with the Mm band-aids you know the people that had fallen and you're helping them bandage them up and he said that's you yeah you're the one that's uh handing out water and saying you can do it and helping people get back up when they fall and everything and that's kind of what i've taken as my 
that's the passion of my life. I think that's what the Lord would have for me to do. And that's not even totally true because I'm also in the race. Yeah. You know, I'm certainly not on the sidelines. I'm having to run yeah. and follow him too. Right. So, I mean, I'm not exempt from that. But I, so if there's a way to combine, you know, I'm running, but I'm also, yeah. you know, helping other folks yeah. too. And I love that. Um, I love that visual image. That's great. And I think, I think like even as you were describing that, like that, that's what it sounds like to be a parent as well. That's a, yeah. Right? For sure. That we are, yeah, we're not in, we're not running this right. race with them. Right. Our role is on the sideline. We're cheering them on, you know, yes. like when they get turned around, we're like, hey, yes. this way, you know, and, yes. and we're there to refresh them and mm-hmm. to encourage them. And mm-hmm. yeah, such a great, such a great picture of that. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's making me feel guilty now that you said that as a parent. <laughs> but, but whatever, Angie, thanks for the, thanks for the guilt. No, I have three kids, Yeah, a 25-year-old daughter, 23-year-old daughter, and 17-year-old son. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you're not exempt from... No, and I was going to say that's yeah. that's so true. So I, yeah. I couldn't agree with you more yeah. about that for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for someone who right now maybe prayer isn't a huge part of their life maybe it's not part of their life at all right now mm-hmm. or they're not um, they're not somebody who typically journals or they feel weird about journaling or meditating or any of those kind of things um, what would you say would be the benefit to someone in that situation adding this into their routine um, as a way of kind of increasing their self-compassion well I would say, don't overthink it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's a part of the struggle that people have with with a lot of these things. Yeah. Right. So uh, it's organic for me. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of um, ways that you can go about it. Um, in in mine, I I would encourage somebody like that. Just um, write down what are you thankful for. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm thankful for uh, the day. Mm-hmm. Thankful for my family. Mm-hmm. thankful for all the wonderful food I get to eat. Yeah. Like chicken to, and Joe's. Uh, chicken and Joe's. <laughs> so even just starting to write yeah. and just, you know, talking about some of those things. Hey, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for that. The beauty of life, you know, just focusing on the beauty that is surrounding us. And so, yeah, I would say just those very, that low-hanging fruit, if you yeah, will, you know, yeah. just, but things that are very valid. Journaling is the one place that, it's kind of crazy, but I, I write poetry. Yeah. I will get out my colored pencils, mm-hmm. and sometimes I'll do drawings of things that I'm processing. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't have to even be writing necessarily. Right, right. right? It, yeah. can, it can be just, you know, coloring things and... yeah just uh not putting pressure mm-hmm. on yourself mm-hmm. you know there's no right way there's no wrong way yeah. i don't have to do this every day oh leaf talked about four to five times a week it's only you know it's friday i've only done it once yeah. what am i going to do so you know just allowing it to be very natural yeah for who you are so much of of what i do in my job just by virtue of the job is uh, reactionary mm-hmm. and so a lot of times it's just a, a safe place to be able to work with all that my emotions my feelings you know all those things and and then be able to move on from that i'm sure my wife really appreciates it because 
uh, I can get it out in the journal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that brings up a good point though, too. I think that that is one of the benefits that I experience also from journaling is sometimes you want to process some of what's going on, maybe even with somebody else, but there's you look around and you're like, man, he has his own stuff going on. And I always call her when things are really not doing well and whatever those things are that keep us from reaching out. I'm glad for the idea that I have a piece of paper and a pencil Mm -hmm. that I can get everything that's inside me out, like just to be able to put it down. And I think some of you were talking a little bit earlier about like suggestions on how you can journal or how you can start that process. The example that you gave of Abraham Lincoln writing the letter, Mm. even just something like that, you're you're worried about your child. If you have concerns about them putting those things down on paper so that they're out of you Mm -hmm. and you have a chance to process through some of those things and saying, I'm scared. of the road that you're headed down. I'm worried that I'm failing you. Being able to kind of just, I don't know if confess is the right word, but it feels like it's close. All of the things that are inside of you, you know, like it is just, it's a release. It does feel like a release of it. And then as an added bonus, you're able to kind of figure some things out at the same time. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, we are gonna push pause right there and start back right where we left off in our next episode. Be sure to tune in to hear what Leaf says about a few of the results that he's seen in his own life as a result of journaling and prayer. We're also gonna talk about how journaling provides us a space to be able to stop and acknowledge some of the hard stuff we're facing and and even embrace it. The second half of this conversation is so good. So make sure that you tune in next time and please try to honor yourself and your struggle in some small way this week. Okay, friends. Well, that wraps it up for this week. I really hope that you found this information helpful and that it served you in some way today. In complete transparency, I want you to know that I am not in any way, shape, or form an expert in the field of parenting. No, you're not going to find any fancy initials after this name. In fact, you know, I'm just a mom like you who had to navigate some really tough experiences with my teenage kids. And in my own desperate need for hope and healing in my family and in my life, I've spent a lot of time and energy researching and referencing all the things because if there is one thing I have learned, it's that we're stronger together. Your ratings and reviews mean so much. In fact, they can make or break a podcast. So if you found this information helpful today, would you take 60 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review? It would mean so much to the mama who hasn't found us yet and to me. Oh, and don't forget to check out Pathways to Hope Network's website and be sure to subscribe. Each week, we send out one to two messages that are designed to encourage and equip you as you find your path towards hope and healing. 
You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Pathways to Hope Network is a nonprofit organization with a mission to serve families with children in the juvenile court system, and we do that by providing cost-free support, resources, and community. The link will always be in the show notes below. Remember, you were never meant to go through this alone.